Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Chai Break Podcast. This is your host, Shweta Ravi Shankar. And Ramachari from New York City. This season, we're excited to interview a roster of amazing South Asian women who have broken barriers, questioned norms, and continue to make a mark for themselves. They come to you from all over the globe, from Bangalore to New York, Melbourne and everywhere in between. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we do and chime in along the way. So let's get started. Hi, Shweta. How are you? Hello, Rama. Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's been a wonderful week and I can't wait to get started with our today's episode. That's right. We are very excited. We're going to be talking to our guest, Namita Jagdiani. So let's start off with a little introduction to her. After her successful stint as a corporate executive for many years, Nami felt disconnected from her true purpose in life. In 2020, as the world shut down, she embarked on a journey looking inward and discovered years of generational trauma that needed healing and darkness that needed to be filled with light. While on that path, she also discovered her true purpose, to boldly tell her story and give others the courage to live a life of authenticity. Today, she is a Jay Shetty certified coach and serves as a leadership and executive coach at her company, guiding colleagues and peers to discover their unique gifts and reignite their passion and engage with purpose. Nami calls New York home where she lives with her husband, DJ Suhail, and her three wonderful children, Shiv, Om, and Devi. Hey, Namita, that's an awesome introduction. Hey, I'm yes, so, thank you for that. <laughs> we're so excited to have you here. Oh my God, when Shweta was, she was giving that introduction and I actually, we both know you uh, well now, but um, it just like, it just like shakes me up a little bit because it's so amazing what, what you've done and we know a little bit, but our audience would love to hear more about you. So welcome to Chai Podcast. We're thrilled to have you as our guest on season two. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> That's great. So to kick off, let's do a little bit of time travel. Okay. What was it like being Indian, South Asian, growing up here in the United States? I ask this because obviously it's a very different experience from what Rama and I had, I imagine. Yes, it was. So it's interesting because on one hand, I don't think I understood how much of a difference it was because at the time I thought, oh, you know, I may look a little bit different than everyone and we do things differently. I didn't realize like how big, how how much gap there is between American tradition and Indian tradition and our culture at the time. So when I was very young, uh, the other part of it that was challenging for me, and this was, this really impacted my life is that all our family was actually in India. So I, I didn't have many I didn't have any cousins growing up. There were no aunts, no uncles. So on one hand, it felt a little lonely, I would mm-hmm. say, and isolated because I look a little different than everyone in school. I bring different food to school. I We speak a different language at home mm-hmm. and I don't really understand the impact of that. And then when I go home, there's not a lot of family or friends around. What was nice though is that in the absence of all the family and the cousins and all the culture is that we were very close to all the rest of the South Asians in the community and almost formed like our own family here to keep the culture alive. Mm -hmm. So I did grow up with that culture as 
the South Asian culture as my predominant culture outside of school. And so I was very, very familiar with it, immersed in it almost sometimes more so than and actually in India because we were trying to keep it alive. That's so very relatable. That's mm-hmm. interesting, right? Because most people, I think a, a, quite a few people would relate to what you're saying because from I, I was born and raised in India and Boshweta and I had been moved here in our 20s. But you've kind of, you know, grown, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've, born you've done a childhood here, born and raised childhood here, here yeah. in the U.S. And for a lot of immigrant parents and immigrants, basically they they try to preserve the culture a lot more here because yeah. there's there's just only few people here. They want to, you know, you it's it's kind of a very uh, inbred approach, I guess. It's more like you want to maintain the culture here. And um, I see sometimes that like you said, sometimes even into a little bit more, to a little bit more <laughs> extreme, I guess, than even in India, where um, you see a little bit more of uh, liberal. You take it for I granted think. there, right? Yeah, it's a little um, bit more liberal yeah. there, I think, because, mm-hmm. as, yeah, so your story is kind of relatable in that regard. People who have been born and raised here do say that they have their cultural exposure um, or, you know, other South Asian cultures and South Asian people their cultural in upbringing is a little bit more conservative, traditionalistic than in India. Is that correct? Was that your view as well? That's definitely correct. And as I got older, like I would say middle school years and high school years, it actually became a very big challenge mm. because that was more traditional. Uh, I would say, you know, on some hand, a little old fashioned in terms of sticking to like the roles of like females and males or like traditional careers, mm-hmm. which is a huge part of my story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to listen, how you're supposed to not quote unquote talk back, not, you know, stay small, like unspoken. Right. And right. when as I was getting older, I was having a big challenge with that because the culture in America is so different. Right. And it caused a lot of issues in the house um, between parents and understandably so because they grew up a different way and they're trying to preserve the culture. And that's a huge part of it. And it, it, it was a huge challenge. I would say middle school, high school, even after high school, like college years, like when I didn't want to be a doctor, it was, it was, it was a huge challenge. Yeah. So what do you think those experiences, what impact did that have on you, on, you know, on your growing up years and also later on in life, whether it was your career, your relationships and so on? But that I'm so happy you asked that because that is my entire platform. So <laughs> what happened is over since a, from a very young age, I realized that if I speak up or speak your, my truth, I will not, it will not land well, basically. It will not be received and uh, it doesn't want to be heard. So I believe that there are only three things happen when you don't speak your truth. You're either going to fight all the time with the person that you want to push your, what you want to do on, you're either going to fight or you're going to suppress it. So you're just going to push it so far down and just do whatever you're told, or you're going to hide it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. You're just going to lie and hide it. So I was the third in this situation. And so what I did is my entire life, like I had a very different point of view of what I wanted to do, how I wanted to live my life, you know, how I wanted to speak. I wanted to lead. I wanted to be big. (laughs) And I like what my career wanted to be like everything and where I wanted to live. And instead of 
being able to just speak my truth and have like honest conversations about it, I would just lie and manipulate to get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was not the type of person who could suppress it. Mm -hmm. And then what, what ends up happening is that one day, like, so for me at 40 years old, you wake up and I hated myself. I literally hated myself because my entire life, all I did was not speak my truth or lie and manipulate Mm -hmm. to get my way. And I, because I had lived that life for so long, I ended up like hating myself and resenting myself for it. So that's actually why I started sharing my story because I, I, I'm trying to encourage others to be able to speak the truth and for other people to hear it and listen to it and accept it because I I know where that path leads. Right. It's almost like this duality, right? You're living a dual life where you're not really being true to yourself or to, you know, kind of not doing justice to anyone else, technically. Yeah. Like the authenticity, losing the authenticity. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cry for authenticity. And it's tough. It's really tough in our culture, tougher than others, maybe. Um, I know it's as a woman, it's tough anyway. And then in our culture, it's tough. So it's like double. It's yeah. du- it's a doubly tough for us. And then what happens is like we just have there's so many expectations of how you're supposed to be. And you want to also make people happy and pleased, which is also part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And and then what happens, you're right, you're living two lives and and you can't do that. Eventually it comes to a head. And I'm mm-hmm. the greatest example of it coming to a head. At what age did you feel that you were at that tipping point where you felt like, oh my God, I, I don't think this is, I, I fit in any of these image that I created for myself. It was, I was 40. Huh. I was 40 and I hit my rock bottom. Wow. Mm. And, and there's something to that age I've heard <laughs> that it's like, maybe it's like, it's, you know, you're halfway through life or at midlife or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I, I was 40 before. And when I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not going to work anymore. You know, that is so interesting because I think that is kind of the age where most people start questioning a lot of stuff or a lot of the baggage they've collected over years. And I think that sounds about right. And that sounds like my story as well. And I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, listeners would be like nodding their heads <laughs> when you give that age of 40. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is about 40. It's not really the midlife because our our year's age span has increased. Yeah. But that is something interesting at 40. People kind of have that moment. So what was your process like of, you know, once you understood, you know, your trauma and you wanted to unravel it and kind of heal, what was that process like for anyone that's going through something similar, you know, and they can relate to your story? And I'm glad you asked that because one of the big things is I believe that you don't have to hit rock bottom and you don't have to get to that point where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like, oh, what am I doing? You know, like I'm Mm -hmm. having, I feel like I need to shift something. So my hope is by sharing my story, I can encourage others and the process, I can encourage others to not get to that point. So uh, the first thing I did is I took the focus to myself. That was the number one thing that helped because I was so busy sacrificing myself for everyone around me. You know, my, my husband, my children, my employer, my parents, my brother, like you name it, my friends. I would always put everyone first before myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to start putting myself first because 
insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Let me try to not be insane. Mm-hmm. And I did. And, and immediately I saw the shift. Like it was almost like within a few weeks. So once I started shifting and in a positive way, I should say, like, mm-hmm. it was like in terms of like taking care of myself, right? The, more so like, okay, I think it's really important to start establishing some time for me to be healthy. That's where it started. Like establish a workout routine and prioritize it. It was in the middle of the pandemic. That's when I started. And I would literally, everybody's homeschooling, virtual schooling, like things need to be done in the house. And I would, I would stop everything and go to the TV and turn on uh, Melissa would help 20 minute Pilates video and do Pilates in front of everyone. I did not care because yeah. it was so important for me. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started. I nice. also, right before that, I also went into a meditation course and that's when I actually felt the shift. That was a huge, huge shift for me. Um, more than even the meditation was the belief that everybody is good and peaceful inside mm-hmm. the Buddhist belief. And that made me think, oh, wow, you know, all that resentment and hate that I have towards myself may actually be incorrect. And maybe I should, if I'm good and peaceful inside, then how would I treat other people who are good and peaceful? Mm-hmm. I would, it's like you filling know. your own buckets, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have more to give and you're more, you come from a better place. Yes, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. But it's been a long journey. It took a couple years because after focusing on myself, lots of blocks started to uncover. And I've tackled each of those blocks like systematically, including what we talked about, the trauma that needed Mm -hmm. to be healed. So Mm -hmm. it also uncovered quite a bit of trauma that I was carrying. So I went to trauma therapy for 10 months. Mm -hmm. um, And I, it's been, it's been a self-discovery journey along the way. I also became a certified life coach and that was another part of the journey. So every time it's, it felt like I was taking maybe, and it's not always easy. Sometimes it felt like I was taking five steps forward, four steps back like over and over again, it's not a linear journey. Uh, Mm -hmm. It can be challenging. It can, it feels like you're going back and forth sometimes, but it's a growth journey and it's incredible at the end of it or in the middle of it, I should say. (laughs) We're not at the end yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made a beautiful point because uh, in one of our episodes in season one, we talk about self-care and how, you know, especially with women, like sometimes it's perceived that self-care is selfish, but it is far from it. Yeah. You know, um, that that's beautiful. And I love how you, you know, dealt with it and kind of worked through all your trauma. And I like you mentioned, you know, in, in, in your bio that we, we were reading, you made this huge pivot, right, from a corporate career. And uh, so at what point did you like, it, it was almost it felt like as you were talking just now that as you uncovered all of, you know, and was dealing with all this trauma and all of this stuff, you did this course and then you were like, you know what? I just don't want to keep this, you know, this enlightenment that I felt just to myself. I want to kind of spread it because I know there are many, many people out there. Yes. So I believe everyone has a purpose and everybody's purpose is different. And there you can have micro purposes and purposes change. And it became clear to me pretty early on that I knew that my role would be sharing it. Because one, I'm the type of person who's actually not scared of judgment. So I like to speak openly. And I was looking at just from the outside, looking at, oh, wow, this is a person who, you know, lived a certain life. Like I've like kept myself in the box. I checked off a lot of the boxes that you would expect to be checked off, like very successful career, you know, married, kids, home, you know, you know, lived in New York city, like a lot of the like exciting life, you know, and what was happening. And I said, I'm so unhappy. 
Mm-hmm. And then when it shifted, I realized, oh my gosh. And because I'm not scared of speaking about it, I believe that that might actually be my purpose. This this like an assignment that was given mm-hmm. uh, because I'm somebody who changed my life and I want to encourage others to do the same. And I'm not going to be scared of the judgment that might come with it. So I'm hoping that that is uh, part of you know what I can actually bring to the world. So I was able to recognize that as some like a part of my purpose. Because you say in a way you have, you know, the problem or the um, the trauma has inflicted on you is that it's a suppression of your voice, right? You were yes. not able to kind of speak up. You used, you know, you were manipulative, as you said, growing up and you use certain tactics to kind of avoid completely being shut down. So now you're kind of coming the opposite way, like actually openly speaking out about things, openly communicating, teaching others how to come up and speak their voice, uh, own their voice and communicate because it's healed you. It's healing you as it is always a journey for all of us. And likewise, that is what you want to do. You want to heal others by opening their voices as well. So uh, you know, the listeners can't see, I actually have my logo behind me and what it is, is the dark and the light and the light and the dark, and it's mm-hmm. flipped. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to flip it and become the light. Right. The darkness is still there. So that's actually, and that's when I realized that, you know, I have the darkness within me, but I also have a lot of light mm-hmm. and I now choose the light. I choose to be the light. I choose to share the light. I choose to give the light. It's not that the darkness is not still there mm-hmm. and it's within all of us, like a little bit of So that I'm sharing what my darkness is. I can be, I can manipulate, I can be deceptive and there's others too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I chose the light and I decided to flip it. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I also have a lot of good in me and I have a lot of, I have empowerment and I have inspiration and I have a lot of light and I have service. Those that's the light within the darkness. And I decided to flip it. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I think it takes so much courage. And uh, I think it when you speak out your truth, for anyone listening, right, I almost feel like it gives them the courage to, one, f- you know, feel that they're not alone in their experience. And also, two, to actually come out and speak out because, you know, um, in today's world of perfection that is personified all around us constantly, whether, you know, all of those boxes you talked about or whatever that is, I feel like everyone has this um, ideal of, uh, you know, success. Right. Absolutely right. Yeah. I would like to talk to you about, um, because I feel like a ton of audience can relate to what you're saying, Namita, and I think they want to find solutions as well. And you would probably be a conduit for that. But can you walk through your experiences, like, you know, particular experiences growing up and particular um, traumas you had to face? that kind of propelled this journey in you? Yes, absolutely. So so my trauma was not just generational trauma. Um, I had my own traumatic experiences. Um, Last year, I was diagnosed with CPTSD, which is complex PTSD. And it's a more recent, uh, it's more recent on terms of like the the spectrum of PTSD. Uh, It's repeated exposure to trauma. Mm. And so... I was severely bullied mm-hmm. when I was in middle school, severely. Like there was an I Hate Namita club mm-hmm. and there were 39 people in it wow. of a 40 person, two classes. Yeah, I was Gosh. the one who wasn't in wow. it. Yeah, it's uh, it was severe bullying. Um, I've been molested. 
I have had sexual harassment. Um, I've had some child abandonment trauma um, just from my mom having to do what she needed to do to have her career here. So I think, you know, repeated events of trauma, those are like the big ones, (laughs) but um, repeated trauma made me also suppress my truth. So Mm -hmm. what it was is that I also had this whole feeling that like, oh, you know, like I must deserve this. I must deserve when people get upset or angry at me. So I'll just shut down or not speak and just hide and do whatever I need to do if I feel like I absolutely have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that suppression of who I really am and being like, you know, unsafe when I showed who I really was or just even in school or wherever, maybe at a job, I I was sexually harassed on a job. It was actually my first job uh, in New York City. Yeah. So I, I think repeated events of trauma made me feel like, oh, this happens because I am bad. And this goes back to the, when I went for the meditation course and heard, oh, you're good and peaceful inside. I was thinking, oh my gosh. So then what does that mean? What was all of that? Right. What were all those experiences? Mm-hmm. And so I actually went through a uh, trauma therapy, like with a licensed psychologist and Mm -hmm. um, it's called EMDR. Mm -hmm. And I had to rewire my neurological system in order to show up differently. And the reason I speak so much and so openly about this is because I I don't have any shame anymore around the trauma. And so if I wouldn't speak about it, I would still be carrying the shame. And I also within it was able to unravel how like I also used to carry a lot of shame about the way that I used to lie and manipulate situations in my favor but when I realized that well I never felt safe never felt safe to speak up and I also didn't feel safe in my environment often Mm -hmm. so those were the reasons that I used to have the dark in me and give into the darkness and once I was able to own it and recognize it and heal it then now I'm where I am which is being able to speak about it and also yeah. encourage others to recognize and speak about whatever it is, whether it's trauma or darkness or whatever it may be, because they say like, once you know and understand your darkness, then you can actually recognize it in others and understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's not there. I mean, look at the world today. It's very dark. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's actually, that's my goal is to help fill the world with more light. It's, you know, own your darkness so that you can actually choose the light and don't feel ashamed about it because it's it's there and it's there for a reason. And you can find the light within like how you did for yourself. That's that's a beautiful story, Namita, because yeah. so powerful. not a lot of people can own up to, um, you know, the downsides of growing up and, you know, facing some trauma and then come back, come out in the light. You know, it's always... Uh, people still carry the victim mindset. People still carry the shame and the guilt. Yeah. And it's hard to recover from that. So kudos to you. You've come a long way. Really kudos to you. Yeah. It, it really takes strength. And we were so proud of your journey. Like, oh, really. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You know, you just recently launched the Mind Quotient, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you hope to change the mental health space? 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking. This is a nice pivot into that. So when I was uh, in the middle of my coaching program, so I went to Jay Shetty Certification School and it's it was it's a very intense course. So it took me t- uh, eight months <laughs> to graduate. Yeah. And I was, wa- I was in the middle of towards the end of the course and I was looking around seeing all these amazing peers in the community. We were actually in the middle of a conference and everyone has a different gift to bring in terms of this space of personal growth and development. And I started thinking about them as well as all the pillars in this place, like Deepak Chopra, you know, Robin Sharma, Jay Shetty, Gary Zukav, like, you know, all the Mm -hmm. names. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, this is the most important work because it's about yourself. So what can actually get you through the dark times? Mm. It was actually inspired because one of my sister-in-law's friends had committed suicide. It was literally like days before 26 year old, you know, ophthalmology resident looked like he had the entire world at his fingertips. And he was very friendly, very fun, very engaging, had lots of friends. So it was very uncharacteristic. And I'm bringing this up for a reason because what really, really struck with me, you know, as moms, we all are moms is Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, gosh, if that was me, like you can't always be with your kids. You can't always be with your kids. So what can you do to help them? The only thing that you can give them is the power to bring themselves back. Right. When their mind is going to a place that it does not need to go, mm-hmm. you can only you yourself can bring yourself back. Yeah. Because there are going to be so many times that you are only by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm saying this, this is so important because guess what? You can have the highest IQ like this person. Mm-hmm. You can have the highest EQ. He's had so many friends. He was so friendly. Everybody liked him. He was like jokes all the time and all that. That didn't help him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what could he do? So I was looking at all these coaches around me and, and thinking about it. And I said, you know, we need to make it. So the same language, one, we need to highlight the importance of it. And two, we need to start speaking this very important language at a global level consistently Mm -hmm. so that we can help literally our kids and everybody in the world bring themselves back from the dark. Yeah. And I started looking around. I was like, okay, so we just need to start using whatever it is. And I started Googling and I was like, you know, it's IQ. And I keep looking and I was like, okay, there's IQ, there's EQ. And that's when I realized it doesn't exist actually. Mm. And so the, the name of my organization is called the Mind Quotient. So our mission is to establish the third quotient, the Mind Quotient, which is this, which is mm. all the internal focus, the good habits, the belief that everyone is good and peaceful, the belief that yes, there is darkness inside of you, but you can bring yourself back from the light. The belief that you have the power within you to make your life beautiful. Right, and right. fill the world with light. That's actually yeah. our mission to fill the world with light, um, our vision. Mm-hmm. So that is why I established the Mind Quotient. And so I'm partnering with other activists. This is a mission. And, <laughs> and that is our mission to bring MQ as the third quotient to the world. That's really That's amazing. amazing. So you're basically trying to provide tools, right? And yes. The tools that you found were missing out there. Yes. In the schools, in the corporations, in the communities, literally everywhere. Right. And it's an, it has to be multifaceted because you can't teach the kids and not teach the parents. And you can't teach the, you know, uh, you can't teach the corporations and not teach everybody outside of the corporation it has to be multifaceted. Mm-hmm. So it's going to hit everybody 
at once and I'm working on it. Uh, It's a, you know, it's quite an endeavor, but I believe that it's what's necessary, especially now. You know, it's interesting you're saying that. Um, I was just reading, I'm I'm reading this book, The Conversations with God, part three, actually. Um, In that, one of the uh, questions that, uh, you know, the, the character God asks is that, what do the schools teach these days? The schools actually teach, they try to impart quote-unquote knowledge and not wisdom to kids. With the kids spending more than half their time, half their days in school, like in a a full day, they're spending at least half or even more of their time in school. And they come back learning, picking up knowledge about history, geometry, calculus and stuff, but hardly do they ever pick up, you know, pearls of wisdom. So that's where I think some of the fundamental shifts should happen there yes. in the school age kids where there is pressure for them to read and learn things that they're never going to you know learn again in their lives maybe they're not I, I don't know when the last time I did a calculus <laughs> you know or arithmetic yep. but I do know how many times I would have you know used a wise suggestion or you know been a little bit more wise and I think what you're saying seems so interesting that um, you're trying to impact uh, people in different age groups and you're focusing on kids as well. And I yes. think that's where a lot of focus should be made. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be called NQ Academy for a reason. That's, that's awesome. I think because I saw exactly a, like that, the curriculum. Because I think I recently saw a post of your daughter actually journaling. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that that's really, you know, start them young. <laughs> yes. So actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. I My kids are my, they're they're helping me write the NQ Academy curriculum. They gratitude journal every day. We meditate often. I'm going to, you know, increase that. And there are things that we say, like the other day, um, Shiv was having a really tough time with something. I can't even remember what it was. And I told him, I said, when you feel yourself having these bad thoughts, that not helpful thoughts, just say to yourself, I am good. I am kind. I am loving. Just very simple. And I made him repeat it with me. And he was very uncomfortable about it. But, and, and, you know, that's part of the MQ Academy curriculum, you know, like it's very simple things because it's kids, but these habits and these practices and these affirmations, it's going to be so good for them because that's what they're going to take with them when they become 26 years old and they're in a residency program somewhere away from their parents. And if they're having dark days, they'll have the tools to bring themselves back. Very true. Good work, Namita. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Namita, now that, you know, our listeners have heard what you had to say and they feel inspired, they want to know more about what you do and maybe they want to consult with you. Where can they find all that information? Can you share that with us? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the places I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, if you look up Coach Nami, I'm basically all over the place. But the places where I'm most active are Instagram and Facebook. So at Coach Nami and uh, a lot more information and also ways to contact me on my website, which is coach-nami.com. There's a lot of information there. We'll make sure to include that in our bio so that, you know, listeners can get to you. Yeah, so let's wrap up this episode with a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. So we've put together what we call a rapid fire. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Brahma, you want to get a go at this? Sure. <laughs> Nami, are you ready for this? Yes. All right. What is it? Okay, so what are the rules around it? Like, how long can I, do you want me to talk about? Obviously, it's rapid fire. <laughs> you would want a concise, short, probably yes. at best 30 second answers. Okay. All right. Um, so I think based on the questions, you would not need a long time. Okay. So, all right, moving on. Question number one, do you have any particular morning routine? Yes. 
I like to meditate, but not all the time. I will meditate or journal. I have a cup of water with chlorophyll and lemon in it in the morning. Nice. Sometimes I exercise. The one thing is that I always listen to myself and I decide what of these is going to work for that particular morning. And I really like to listen to like mantra music or like peaceful meditation music. That's fantastic. I really like that chlorophyll lemon idea. I might, mm-hmm. I might try to steal that from you. Um, what shows are you currently enjoying, Namita? So I used to watch a lot of shows. And when I started this journey two years ago, I completely abandoned Netflix Uh-oh. and all the rest. <laughs> yes, um, I, it's because I was spending so much time there and I now have like redirected a lot of the time. Fair enough. Uh, let me think though. <laughs> I do want to finish Ozark. So because I watched the first three seasons, so I am planning on finishing it at least. So that's probably the one show I'm going to watch. So you're not much of a TV person then. That's all. Not, oh, I complete 180. I used to watch <laughs> like shows like it was my job. And now I don't watch them at all. Those one, That's one of the things that I had to give up along the way. Awesome. So recent book you read that made an impact? Oh, this is good. So I am currently reading books that I believe were written by the universe. And so the last one I read was The Alchemist. I reread it from a very different perspective. Nice. And the I'm currently reading an interpretation of the Gita. Oh, wonderful. That's oh, awesome. wow. Your favorite way to unwind? Is to have a glass of wine and hang out with friends. That is actually Shweta's in my good. Way of unwinding too. I think. Oh, we'll, so we should do that together. Exactly. Should, no, I can't <laughs> wait. Totally. We should form a little club there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is your mantra? Go to mantra. I have two. One is be the light, which I talked about quite a bit today, mm-hmm. and the other one is remember who you are. Mm, that's that's pretty forceful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to wrap up, what do you have to say to our listeners who may be going through struggles that's similar to yours? I would say, remember to find the light. I think that's it. Remember to find the light and speak your truth. It's not always easy, but as of recently, I can say that from speaking the truth, I have found that I just love myself more. That's how I'm creating love for myself is just by being who I am and unapologetically. And it's tough. Sometimes it doesn't land well. Sometimes you have to have difficult conversations. Sometimes the outcome is not what you actually would have hoped it would be, but you're going to love yourself. So that's what I would say. Thank you, Namita. Those were fantastic. If I translate some of those words um, in, you know, what you're trying to say is like you're peeling those layers to get to your soul. And when your personality matches your soul, it's just such a beautiful alignment and just magic happens and you're heading towards that magic. You're absolutely right. The quote on my website actually says, uh, when you connect to your light source, mm-hmm. your true self emerges. Because that's exactly what happened to me. Once I connected to the light within me, my true self emerged, which is my soul, which now I always try to remember who I am. That's You're right. Fantastic. That's, a, that's the best way to sum it up. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. This was such a great conversation, yeah. Namita. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was really powerful. And I feel like for us, you know, it's like 9.15 in the morning and it's perfect to kickstart our day, I feel like. Uh, And I'm sure, I hope our listeners feel the same too. 
Yeah, this is so inspiring. It's almost even better than a cup of coffee right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to thank you for what you're doing because it's not easy. Like we've talked about in this conversation, you know, having the courage to have these conversations and put yourself out there is uh, really important and not easy. So I think your bravery and courage needs to be acknowledged because this is this is really important work. It really is. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We, we feel likewise. That. Yeah. I mean, and this is the kind of community we want to build around the Chai Break podcast, right? Mm-hmm. That women supporting women and, you know, in a judgment-free zone, yes. right? Because we're all going through this thing called life, which is full of ups and downs. And how can we be there for one another? Yeah. And really using the word unsung heroes like you, like you, you are an unsung hero. Like, you know, yes. our goal is actually to bring out all these people who are making impact in the community who we need to like you know kind of introduce you to the people out there and truly you are a hero and and keep up the good work Namita. thank you so much namita thank you thank you so much thanks everyone and uh we'll look forward to seeing you in our next episode yeah thank you shweta thanks namita see you guys later bye, bye. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Do continue to give us your valuable feedback via ratings, reviews, and hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Your support means the world to us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at chai underscore break underscore podcast to get the scoop on our latest episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can also write to us at chaibreakpodcast at gmail.com. 